0: Hello and welcome to There's Hope America and the preaching ministry of Dr. Richard Lee. On today's program, Dr. Lee brings a message entitled, Leading Our Children to Christ. Through the years, it's been my joy to talk to many, many parents who've asked various questions such as, what age does my child have to be to come to Christ? Such as, I don't want my child to be like other people I've known. Other people who've gotten to be 50, 60, 70 years of age and look back and say, when I was six or seven, I prayed to receive Jesus, but uh, I don't think I really became a Christian. Well, parents are, are right in doing so. They're right in questioning. All of us need to question. But today I want to take God's Word out of Matthew chapter 18 and 19 and spend the next few moments talking to you about children and their salvation and how we can possibly lead children to Christ. To make it a valid lifelong experience. It's not only for parents, it's not only for grandparents, it's for singles, it's for everyone. Because we need to understand childhood conversion. Today, I want you to think with me about seven principles. There are some truths that Jesus taught us. First of all, Jesus taught us this truth that Jesus told us that children could come to Him. Jesus told us. Kids could come to Him. Listen to what He said, Matthew 18 and 3. I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now remember who He's talking to. He's talking to adults. He said, listen, guys and gals, unless you change and become like children, you're never going to heaven. See, Jesus was not making children adults. He was making adults children. Too many times we want to make children adults. We want to think that children should understand what you and I understand. Well, let me ask you a simple question. Do you understand it all? I don't. Has anybody here ever gotten the full concept of sin, the cross, the resurrection, salvation, eternal life? I haven't been, I'm sorry, I just haven't gotten hold of it all yet. I'm working on it. But I'm on a journey. But Jesus said this. He said, you adults have got to become like little children before you can ever get into heaven. He went on to say in Matthew chapter 19 verse 14. Suffer or let the little children come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus taught us in the proper way, in the proper time. In the proper order, children ought to be allowed to come unto Him. They ought to be allowed to come to eternal salvation. The second truth is this. The majority of children who are school-aged, the majority of school-aged children, are capable of understanding what it means to be saved. Capable of understanding salvation. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, we've got to ask ourselves those questions again. See, as we ask ourselves questions and answer these questions, we're able to frame it in our mind. The question here is this, how much does a person need to know to be saved? How much? Well, do they need to... Understand this amount or that amount? Some people say, well, I'm not going to allow my child until they're 12 years of age to give their heart to Jesus. Why? Because they've got to understand a certain amount. Well, how much are they capable of understanding at 12? After all, some people understand some things at 12. Other people don't understand other things. What is the age of accountability as we've learned to call it in the Christian world today when a child is accountable unto God? Well, let me just say this. Let me answer it very succinctly for you. There are two things that a child or an adult, whether they be 5 or 50, whether they be 7 or 70, must understand, need to understand to accept Christ. Number one, they need to understand the concepts and the facts concerning sin. In a certain way, they need to understand sin, but also they need to understand faith in the Savior. Two things, and that's all. The understanding of sin, And the understanding of a Savior, of a Savior. You know, the majority of children, the reason people have problems with their childhood salvation is not the child's fault, it's the parent's fault. Let me tell you how. It's like like little children. When little children come to Christ, parents, I want to ask you, how big a deal do you make of it? How big a deal is it to you? I was looking this morning at my son's Bible, he's loaned me his Bible, and I was looking in the front where, on a certain night, it was June the 19th, 1973, at the Bonnie Bridge Baptist Church, uh, right outside of Savannah, Georgia, that my son was saved. I wrote it in there when he was saved. I was preaching revival then, and it was on that night, my little boy, Jason came, who's a big boy now. My little boy came and gave his heart to Jesus. I remind him of that every now and then. Oh, how parents, we need to, we need to make sure that we remind our children. And we develop them through the years. Sweetheart, do you know that you were saved here on this particular day? You gave your heart to Christ. And let me remind you what it means. And as you remind them what it means and remind them of the act of salvation, what you're doing is you're validating it in their heart. But if you just go on your way, yeah, you were saved at VBS several years ago, and you go on your way down life's road, it becomes sort of insignificant. What do you do on their birthday? Oh, you have the friends over and the family over. What do you do on their birthday? You give them a gift. What do you do on their birthday? Son, you've turned 13. God help us all, but you've turned 13. (laughs) You make a big deal of it. What about their spiritual birthday? You ever do anything? You ever remind them of their spiritual birthday? You ever say, you know, on this particular day, you were saved, that's your spiritual birthday? You've been a Christian now for for six months or five years or 10 years. What are you doing? You're validating in their heart the time that they gave their heart to Christ. And most school-aged children are able to understand that concept. But parents, we must not miss it. We must not make the error ourselves. And then thirdly, We must understand that children are not yet bound by the ways of sin. And because of this, we can explain salvation to them. Now, I want to share with you seven things that if you're going to lead your child to Christ, you need to put these down in your mind on a piece of paper today. Seven things. If you bring your child counseling to our church, these seven things need to happen. If you counsel with them personally, these seven things need to happen. You need to take them down a journey. First of all, they need to hear and for the be- to the best of their ability understand the account of sin's beginning. How did sin begin in Eden? And don't talk to them about sin and the garden of Eden like it's a story. It's not a story, it's a fact. It's a happening. Don't say, I want to tell you about this garden and story, bedtime story about this garden and this man and woman who ate of this apple tree, which is foolish. We don't know if it's an apple tree or not. It's foolishness. No, say, I want to tell you about an event that happened long ago. An event that happened where sin came into existence. And then go into Genesis chapter 3 and explain to them the situation of sin, how Adam and Eve chose not God, but chose their own way, Sin is rebelling against God, choosing your own way, and they disobey God. Talk to them about the account. Number two, the results of the sin of Adam and Eve and the results of sin. Bible says the wage of sin is death. Every time we sin, we die. What? Uh-huh. Sir, you may be 50, you may be 70, lady, you may be 40, you may be 60. But every time you sin, something dies. What dies? Maybe it's your own self-concept. Maybe it's your own confidence in yourself. Maybe parents, it's the opinion and the attitude of those children as they watch their parents in sin. How could my daddy ever do that? How could my mother ever do that? And all of a sudden, that respect for you dies. See, God gave us, it's not a law necessarily, it's a truth. A truth. When you sin, you die, something dies. So explain to them that sin brings death. It's, it's automatic, it happens. Thirdly, share with them that all people without Christ have sin's nature within them. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number four, that Jesus came and gave his life, that he might rid themselves of sin. Jesus came so that he is our savior, he is our hero, he's our model. The reason He came and gave His life is so that you might be free from sin, that you would not have to die. Number five, that sin is forgiven through repentance and confession. Not through joining a church or baptism or anything else, but through confession of sin and repentance, turning, going in a different direction. Honey, you know, your life is going to change. Your life is going to... You say, well, Pastor, how can a kid's life change when they're six or seven? I mean, they're not an alcoholic. They're not a drug addict. Well, God can change their little hearts. He can take that heart and make it fresh and new and beautiful. He can take them and bring them into His family. He adopts them or, or brings them into His family. A lot of changes take place when a child comes to know Christ. They become God's kids. Then sixthly, that God accepts those who accept His Son. It is not being a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a Pentecostal or a Catholic. It has nothing to do with it. He that hath the Son hath life. That is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God but by me. Jesus is the door. He is the way. He is the all in all. He is the pathway to eternal life. Sweetheart, always remember that, that Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you, and Jesus is your hope. Then seventhly, that they are special to God, and He has a plan for their life. Sweetheart, you know that you're special to God. Yeah, you are. You're God's own. Do you know that God said that you are in His mind and in His eye all the time? Do you know that God said that He even knows the number of hairs on your head? That He listens to your heart? Do you know that you can talk to God even when you don't use words because God loves you from heart to heart? All of those things. Do you know, sweetheart, that you're special and God is going to make a special use of your life because you're His kid. You belong to Him. See, you take them through the concepts and the understanding of eternal salvation. And as you do, they're not bound by the ways of sin. For example, kids don't have pride. You're going to see that in a moment. When this play goes on, you're going to see those kids have no pride whatsoever. And I love it just to watch them. Why do we get all excited when sometimes they miss their lines, when they don't have the most mature voices, when they can't shake the rafters when they're singing because they're innocent and because they don't have any pride? And that turns us on. Amen? Amen. Kids don't have excuses. They don't say, you know, uh, there are too many hypocrites in the church, so I'm not going to go. I don't like the way that's going. I'm not going to do that. They don't have excuses. You know, if I go, they're liable to ask me to do something. They're liable to ask me to dress up like a farmer or dress up like a weed. We'll have some weeds around here today. Those things never enter their minds. They may want something from me. No, they say, what can I be involved in? They don't have excuses. Little children have not fallen in love with sin. Does sin have pleasure? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. The Bible says sin has pleasure for a season, for a moment, for a time. Have you ever thought about how the world is? The world moves from one sin to another, those without Christ, one sin to another. In Hollywood, they'll have a wife now, they'll use her for a while, or she'll use him, and then they'll have another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. They'll go from one automobile to another, they'll go from one thing to another, go from one drug to another. Not just Hollywood, the whole world. You know, if I just get this job, I'll be happy. I get that job, I'm not happy. I get this job, I'll be happy. Get that job, I'm not happy. No peace of mind and heart. You know why? Because they are involved in sin, and sin has its pleasure, and they don't understand it's only temporary. But see, believers, hey guys, we have a blast. It's fun being saved. I can wake up, I don't have the guilt of sin on my mind. I don't have to say, oh, why, why, why? What, what's going on? I, you know, I got a headache, got a hangover, I don't feel good. Uh, uh, you know, if I don't do this, I don't do, uh-uh, Christ did it all. So I just sort of <whistles> coast through life. The way of transgression is hard. But see, the way of the believer, he's followed by goodness and mercy all the days of his life. All the days of his life. But kids haven't fallen in love with sin. The stupidity of sin. Then also little children are tender to the gospel. Tender. Their hearts are tender. You know, many times I've talked to children about Jesus. I've seen tears come to their eyes. They're tender. Their minds are tender. You know what? As you talk to them, they believe what you say. They sit and you talk and they say, yeah, okay, yeah. And you know, they they really, really have an interest. A child's mind's an unusual thing, and it's a wonderful thing. Have you ever been with a child in the why years? The why years? Son, go do this, why? Daughter, go do this. why? Now, you know what our f- parents said to us. We said, why? And my dad would say, because? I said so. Oh, yeah, because I said so. Go but see, what you're missing, mom or dad and grandparents, you're missing a tremendous opportunity. Because if you'll take time and understand, that's not rebellion, that's interest. Not always, but most of the time, it's interest. And see, if it's true interest, what you do is you pour into their little minds the values and the concepts and the understanding of why you made that decision. Why? Oh, come over here. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a little, my little boy. Let me tell you, it's because of this, that, and the other. See... Here's the best way to do it. Here's the way daddy's reasoned it out. So what happens is when that child gets to be 17, 18, 19, 20 years of age and they face situations of life to think about, will I do this or will I won't not do this? You see, they have a basis, a foundation. Oh, I don't think I'll choose that way. Why? Because somehow back in my memory, I remember these things. They may not even remember the time or the account that you poured it into their tabla their blank minds, but you did. You did. And they say, it's part of my character. It's part of me. So they have tender minds. But also they have, they have hopes that are tender. You talk to a child about heaven, child gets excited. Talk to him about the sky above, that Christ is there. One day he's returning in power and glory. He goes out and he looks up in the sky. Why? Because he has a hope that is tender. So it's at those tender moments. That we help the child to understand and the child to blossom and the child to become stalwart in the faith and strong in the faith. We don't say, oh, they're not saved or they're not living right or they're not really who they need to be because they haven't memorized all this Scripture. Let them memorize Scripture, but it has nothing to do with it. It's the attitude of the heart. For God looks not on the outward appearance, but He looks on the heart. Do they have a tender heart? Do they have a pure heart? Are they doing all that's within them? that we have placed within them the knowledge and the love that they could live as a believer. Principle number five, and I must hurry. Statistics show us the importance of childhood salvation. Do you know that the average age of an evangelical pastor in this nation when he's saved, a man who was saved and became a pastor, is nine years of age? Do you know that the average age of a missionary on foreign fields is eight when they were saved? They were saved at eight years of age. Here some statistics, listen to them. After the age of 25, one in every 10,000 people who hear the gospel give their hearts to Christ. After the age of 35, one in every 50,000. After the age of 45, one in every 200,000. After the age of 65, one in every 500,000 people who hear the gospel are saved. So statisticians have shown us the importance of leading our little children to Christ. And then lastly, God blesses those who lead children to Christ. Listen to what he said in Matthew 18, 4 and 5. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. What is he saying? He's simply saying this, that as we lead children to Christ, it pleases the heart of Jesus himself. So I want to ask you a question. Why don't we do it? Basically two reasons. The first reason is, in some parents' lives, is this. They're afraid if they lead their children to Christ that they cannot live the example before that child. Sir, ma'am, I wanna ask you something. What's more important, the sin that you're involved in, the pleasures of, that you're temporary, are the eternal destiny of that child's soul? Just a question. See, you're their example. Listen closely. You're not just their example when they're little. You're their example as long as you breathe breath in life. How many men and women have I been around? Have I pastored, unfortunately? where the father, you know, he gets in his middle age crisis. He's losing it all. He buys his red convertible. By the way, I have a red convertible. (laughs) So nobody feel that I'm talking about him. They buy their red convertible. They do all those things and they say, man, you know, I've got it. I'm just going to live with this woman until we get about 60 or 70 and then I'm out of here. After all, uh, being a good father, I will wait until the kids get grown. How many women do the same thing? But here is the, the problem. Listen to me. Uh, you will always be their daddy. Uh, you will always be their mama. And how many people that are in this auditorium, are those around the world watching us by internet live, are those listening to me by television around this world? How many of you have had a broken heart, torn your mind asunder almost, even passed it on to your children because mom or dad split up, because dad couldn't stay, In a relationship her mom couldn't stay. Or they blew it in sin. So parents look at me. When God calls us to be parents. No he does not call us to ride our children. Or to demand of our children. When they become of age. The best law of parents and and in-laws is this. Hands off. Mouths shut. Prayer zone. Hands off. Mouths shut, prayers on. Don't have your son-in-law, mother-in-law, feeling like the son-in-law that got back and he told his friends, man, I've been on a pleasure trip. What's that? I took my mother-in-law to the airport. <laughs> Hands off, mouths shut, prayers on. But you will always be their mom and dad all the way to eternity. And then the second reason is this. That often they're afraid for fear that the child will not understand enough and the child will miss somehow salvation. Two things and I'll be through. Number one, you've got to have confidence in the counseling the child's receiving. The counselor or yourself as you counsel them. Number two, you have to have confidence in the Savior who loves them. What kind of a Jesus do you think we have? Do you think we have a Jesus that would look down at a child and say, You know, that child didn't know enough, so I'm going to send that child to hell. You think that's Jesus? That child came to me sincere, loving, but somehow I don't think they knew the doctrinal tenets and the dogma of the church, therefore I'm not going to accept them. No, no. His disciples and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the self-righteous that were around him that day said, oh, children, don't bother Jesus. But Jesus said this, which must ring in our minds and our hearts, suffer, allow the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. As we come to the conclusion of today's program, I want to invite you, if you've not yet done so, to invite God into your life by praying to receive his son, Jesus Christ, into your heart today. The way we receive God's complete forgiveness is clear according to the scriptures. First of all, we repent of our sins. Then, we tell God our faith, our belief in Jesus Christ as His Son. Thirdly, we commit our lives to Christ as the Savior of our soul. And fourthly, we follow His direction for our personal life as found in the Bible. So if you want to know Jesus in the fullness of His love and forgiveness, pray a prayer like this with me. Just say, Dear God, I know that I have sinned in my life, so I come before You in repentance, admitting my sin and seeking Your forgiveness. I place my faith in Your Son, Jesus Christ, and commit my life to Him as my Lord and Savior. And I pray this by faith, in the name of Jesus, amen. You have been listening to a broadcast of the teaching ministry of There's Hope America and Dr. Richard Lee. If you'd like to know more about the ministry of There's Hope America and its many books, writings, and materials that point America back to God, visit us online at there'shope.org. Once again, it's there'shope.org. Or you can call us at 1 800 628 HOPE. That's 1 800 628 HOPE. May God bless you until next time.